Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Frankie Presslav. I'm Melanie Davis. And I'm Justin Robertson. Awesome. So here we are today on this really lovely day. And I want to give a shout-out to uh, Jasper, our intern. He was the one that introduced the um, weather today, and he did a great job. Yay, mm. Jasper. Yay. <laughs> growing up. Just growing up <laughs> in our midst. So fast. <laughs> so fast. He was just, just a little baby the other day, and now look at him. Um, so, how are things going? I'll start with Melanie because that's who I always start with. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. oh. Just, she's clearly your favorite, Frankie. Oh no, uh, <laughs> it's fall. I'm I'm excited. Is it fall? Well, it's fall for me. Okay. So um, it feels like it. It feels like the, it. Yeah. And that's I saw a couple leaves fall off a tree, and I was like, it's official. It's <laughs> just po- a couple that will do it. Right. That's all. Right. It all, all right. takes. Uh, and you know, it's pumpkin spice time. So. Pumpkin oh. spice. Do you like pumpkin spice? I am that's so basic. Oh, wait. When, when I am 100 percent basic. When we interviewed you and I did the intro, was that part of the intro? The, yeah. That I you think like so, pumpkin yeah. spice? Yeah. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. That was great. And and uh, you know candy apple flavor too yeah, none not? of them can i have them diabetic so but, but oh. you get like, i don't but, let it stop you, me that's not gonna <laughs> if you did like the spices on the top that's not oh yeah no no no, no I, I love that i, yeah, I put it on that. everything you can just go crazy on that oatmeal stuff. so yeah. you like all just the like, fall things i love all fall things is your birthday How, in the fall no 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 it's okay. opposite i'm yeah. in march but um this is like probably like my favorite time it's when i'm most comfortable and and halloween is my holiday yes that's the best what i do you're always wearing that hat are you going as anything this year no 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 but i uh, actually i'm getting back into doing um, my prosthetic makeups and building <gasps> stuff so because uh, oh, I, I, I used to do a whole lot of yeah i saw something Halloween on facebook stuff. that yeah. she had up there and they're scary i love yeah, it that's and i have a daughter who's like totally into like me painting her up and putting bunches of Jump on her face, and she's yard. like, "How lucky yeah, is she to have a mom that can do that?" Yeah, tell her that. Yeah, she's my, a mom, now, so sure. my mom, my <laughs> mom would be. It was like the Charlie Brown, you know, ghost with ninety holes all over. Right. That, that was my mom. But that's awesome too. I mean, you know, getting into it. I know. I know a lot of kids' parents are just like, you know, right. yeah, we'll go buy something. Yeah. No, so. we. I've never, you know, had like a, a store bought costume no i never did either and my mother was so great you know um i i went i don't know i think when i was about six or seven she dressed me up as queen elizabeth the first i had you know what i mean like the whole like ruffle you know neck and the jewels and the pearls and everything it was awesome she spent hours on that costume and you still haven't taken the pearls off i know i well i yeah i would i'd be wearing that if i could fit no we we did all that we went to um, uh, where we go, California and San Francisco for Halloween, which is an awesome place to yeah. be. Yeah. And um, everybody was all, you know, they knew how to 
and dress up and do their thing for Halloween. And, you know, we, we, there was like four of us that flew out to meet one of our friends out there. And I couldn't think of what I wanted to do. And, and they were just all these really cool uh, outfits. And I just was running around the house like, oh, my gosh, of course, it's the day before we're going to fly out. And yeah. I'm like, what am I going to be? And I look up and I have a million hangers, plastic hangers. No, they weren't plastic back then. They were all metal hangers. And um, I had some pants and, and, a, and a shirt. I dyed black. And I cut holes in the, them and just hung hangers all over them. Oh, and I put some sparkles on them. Yeah. And, <laughs> I, um, and I flew with those. You know, and you could do that back then. So I put I had all right. my hangers and my carry-on. I had hundreds of hangers. Wow. So we get there, and we're in San Francisco, and everybody's dressing up, and they look awesome. They look awesome. And I'm like, I'm Hanger Man. And everybody's <laughs> laughing at me and making fun of me. And so we go out, and we're out in the district doing, doing the thing, and I'm like, this is humiliating. <laughs> and people are then start looking. It's like, look, it's Hanger Man. It's Hanger Man. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I became the center of everything. I was interviewed by the news. We wow. could not go anywhere without people stopping and taking my picture. How old were you picture. again? I was probably 23. Six. Oh, yeah. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't like four. I was thinking that you were a kid. No, <laughs> I, was I am a kid. <laughs> no, like, so that's so, what so, But that's my life. You are the center of I, the that's universe. That's what happens when you come out of the closet. I know. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, right, right. You brought some of it with you. <laughs> Everything. Yeah, make me cry. So, Justin. <laughs> How are things with you? Uh, things are pretty good, though I did one of the stupidest things I've ever done, perhaps, Meet me. this weekend. I, well, besides Aww. meeting you, no. Um, <laughs> I, um, I went pontooning last weekend. Whoa. Do you remember how lovely the weather was yes. with all the rain and everything? That's so it was right. like, you know... Flash flood warnings and thunderstorm runnings. It was warnings. like a Gilligan's so Island like, episode. I yeah, it totally was. Yeah, we were <laughs> singing that song. In fact, were you? of, of course, course you yeah. But it's like, yeah, what you want to do in a storm or rain? Not is be, run on out to the lake the and be on a boat. Be on an aluminum boat. Yeah, no. right. Right. Yeah. Like carry umbrellas, left them high. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it was Mary a really Poppins. bonding experience, and it was much warmer in the water, so we just stayed in the water. Oh my gosh, we like, you guys were <laughs> bad boaters in every which way possible. But I have to admit, I have not. Qu quite felt right since then. Because <laughs> of all the lightning strikes? <laughs> yes, or? exactly. Yeah. That went on my head or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know. But yeah, so I don't know. I'm as crazy as ever, Frankie. Okay, there, there it is. And that's okay. <laughs> so um, I guess everything on my end is, is just what it is. We're doing well. I just noticed Bloomington got um, some new scooters, electric scooters around town. Really? Like the bikes. Really? The bikes that huh. you can rent yeah, I love for the like a dollar or 50 cents. Uh. Well, now they have like actual scooters, electric scooters that um, we were at one of the local you know eateries and the kids and I were sitting out and I just kept seeing all these brand yeah. new scooters I'm like what's the deal and I look over one of the kids you know look look it up on the, their little apps and yeah Bloomington I think it just arrived yesterday actually oh, so you'll be seeing my family out there um, all, all of you all of us yeah. that'll be like hell's angels yeah. right <laughs> 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 you gotta have the jackets we need the jackets yeah. on the, and they're white and black scooters but Pretty cool. I just saw something on uh, Facebook popped up and said, do you want to be an official charger yeah. for the scooter thing? And I was like, okay, well, this is different. You right, know? yeah. And apparently that might be what it is. I'll th have to look th into that's it. That's what it was, exactly. Oh. 
well, I just have like a hundred people come to my house and no, you got you got to drive and pick them up, take them home, charge them, and then drop oh, yeah, them back. No. And you have to get them between four a.m. to seven a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I decided to drop my newspaper route and do that instead. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> so guess what? It's fun drive time. Fun drive. Fun drive. So we, we kind of want to start it out with some fun conversation. It's not fun drive. It's fun <laughs> it's drive. Fun yeah. drive. Send in yeah. all your fun. Send in all your fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, Justin, you can take this one away. Oh, yes. The fun, well, what makes this fun drive special is that it's the 25th anniversary of WFHB. Yay. Yay. Wow. So we've been doing this show for a long time, and we depend upon your support, of course. If uh, Please give us a call to, at 812-323-1200 in order to make a donation. Uh, to WFHB, we have 28 news and public affairs programs that are not heard anywhere else, including this show, Blooming Out, mm-hmm. which is a labor of love and very important to all of us that are a part of this. I mean, Frankie, why do you do this show? You don't do it to make money yeah, or I'm support just, your kids or anything. No, I, you I do, do it, it because you love it, right? I do it because I got a big mouth. Because you and have, I a, have big a lot, mouth. <laughs> I have a lot to say. No, and I do, and I, I love um, opportunities when you can give back to the community, and there's nothing quite like uh, what we have over here um, with, you know, all of the fun folks with uh, Blooming Out and WFHB. Um, so, no, I'm, it's it's amazing. And, and now, you know, to, to see what other programmings are, are out there, not just, you know, Blooming Out, there's actually other programmings that this station does. <laughs> yes. um, and it's just amazing. And, and the people that, yeah. you know. Right. Um, it's a great place to be. I always look forward to being here. I, I do. So we need you to, to call in, and I think we have a goal of like $500. So one of our rich friends needs That's to call. That's all? You mean? Well, for us. <laughs> yeah, for, for our show in the next hour. Oh, for our show the next hour? They would like $500? to see $500. So okay. if you like us and you know us. Wes told me it was 48000 but Well, no, that's a total. Oh. I don't that's, have to raise that right now? Well, no, you could. Oh. You yeah, could write Then I can kick back. Okay. You could. So call 812 one two zero zero and you know write that check for forty eight thousand dollars or <laughs> you know and then i guess or wes is um what he's gonna add to it so if we um if somebody donates that then he's gonna donate wow pretty pretty amazing so um yeah so please please or you can um uh check us out on the web at uh, wfhb.org and there's a big red button that will come up and you you can't miss it that's right push the red button that will um (laughs) take you into uh um you know bliss and get you know give us give us your money you know whatever it takes um, so we're going to be plugging that tonight. So um, yes. we'll try to make it as fun and um, interesting and educational, I guess, a- as we can go. So um, this past Tuesday marked the 17 years since 9-11. It's hard to believe it has been so many years. And tonight in this segment, we're going to talk about the impact of 9-11 that it's made on all of our lives. Right. Um, we have uh, uh, a lot of stories coming up and and one of them uh, uh is about a mom who urged her son to uh fight the flight 93 hijackers um and this comes from abc news uh when alice hogan realized the deadly intent of the united flight 93 hijackers she called her son on the plane and gave her last words of maternal advice 
overpower the hijackers, Hoagland urged her only child. Mark Bingham, 31, called his mother from the air phone as, uh, at his seat at 9.44 a.m. Eastern Time, telling her that his plane had been hijacked and that he loved her, but the phone call was cut off after about three minutes. It was three hours late, earlier in California where Hoagland lives, and she had been asleep. When she turned on the TV and saw the World Trade Center attack on the news, Hoagland called her son back on his cell phone at 9.54 a.m. He never received the two cell phone messages that Hoagland left for him, but his mother was later able to retrieve the recordings, which included frantic messages to Bingham from his friends and family. Mark, this is your mom, Hoagland said, sounding calm on the tape. The, new, the news is that it's been hijacked by terrorists. They are planning to probably use the plane as a target to hit some side on the ground. I would say go ahead and do everything you can to overpower them because they are hell-bent. Try to call me back if you can. A few minutes later, she left a second message. Mark, apparently it's terrorists and they're hell-bent on crashing the aircraft. So if you can, try to take over the aircraft, she said urgently this time. There doesn't seem to be much plan to land the aircraft normally, so I guess your best bet would be to try to take it over if you can, or to tell the other passengers. There is one flight that they say is headed towards San Francisco. It might be yours. Uh, so if you can, group some people and perhaps do the best you can to get control of it. I love you, sweetie. Good luck. Bye-bye. Oh. <clears throat> Even though he didn't hear his mother's messages, Bingham was one of the passengers believed to have fought back against the terrorists on that September 11 flight which crashed in Pennsylvania, thwarting the hijackers' apparent plan to hit a national landmark, possibly the White House in Washington, D.C. The families of Flight 93 victims are scheduled to listen to a tape of the cockpit voice recorder on April 18th in Princeton, New Jersey. After initially declining the family's request to hear the tapes, the FBI has agreed to allow them to listen to a tape of the last 30 minutes of the flight. The tapes reportedly do not include the moments when the hijackers got into the cockpit, but they do seem to offer confirmation that passengers acted heroically in trying to stop the four hijackers on board. Hoagland thinks her son was already moving toward the, uh, the uh, fight, toward fighting back when he called her. I suspect Mark knew more than he was willing to tell me, said Hoagland, a United flight attendant. Mark had a way about him. When he was a teenager, he learned it was always wise to try to keep his mother in the dark about certain things. I'm not a bit surprised. Hoagland was in the kitchen with her brother and sister-in-law when they told her to call Bingham back. It was they who had the presence of mind to say, Alice, get back on the phone with Mark and tell him it's a suicide mission and that he needs to do whatever he can to get control back, Hoagland recalled. She learned later that Bingham was uh, sitting across the aisle from Tom Burnett and Jeremy Glick, two other men who had spoken to their wives who had heard about other hijackings. The three men, along with Todd Beamer and flight attendants Sandy Bradshaw and C.C. Lyles, are among those who are believed to have teamed up to fight against the hijackers. It was wonderful that there was enough time and enough composure aboard and enough talent, goodness, and teamwork aboard Flight 93 that they were able to do at least what they were able to do, seize back a measure of power to themselves, Hoagland said. She downplays the courage of the phone calls she made that day, but speaks proudly of her son. I know my son, and I'm not a bit surprised, Hoagland said. Oh, oh. Wow. 
You're quite emotional after that story. It's, it's, it's an emotional one. It, you know, remembering it throws me back to when we were hearing about that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, on that day and um, what was going on. And, and you heard that the plane crashed, but then there's this, inc- you know, incredible backstory to it and all the stories that uh, that came from it. And, um, yeah, it was about 17 years ago, but it's yeah. yesterday. Yeah. And what was, you know, interesting about this story was um, when it first came out, uh, it wasn't known at the time uh, he was gay. Right. Um, and when the news uh, found out that he was gay, there was, you know, he, they would, um, there were actually even points where they just didn't even talk about him, where they talked about the other passenger who was he actually the one that, you know, yelled out, let it roll. You mean they didn't talk right. about him at all? Or didn't talk there, about him? There were some gay? news agencies that kind of skipped out on that, yeah, that didn't talk about him at all. Um, and then, you know, this is 17 years ago. And they're, you know, putting a, a, a gay man um, at the level of being a hero. Right. Um, was still, you know, remember who was president at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a lot for the nation at that, you know, during you know those times to swallow in the sense of understanding of, you know, you know, this is a human being right. that wanted to protect his country that happened to be a gay man. So it was a lot of um, controversy mm-hmm. uh, on that where, you know, they just awkwardly kind of slipped around with that. But it was also one of the, the, the points of really kind of putting this in front of the, the nation's eyes and ears and putting a face on it. And where the, and, and there's articles about it that he didn't, quote, look gay, whatever that means, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, he was a masculine male. He played uh, rugby, you know. No one ever assumed that he, you know, was gay, but he lived out. He, he was a, a proud and out uh, gay man. But um, and and that was something else that, that you know a masculine man you know and and j- seventeen years ago people still had uh, you know their own uh, thoughts of maybe what a, a gay individual should look like and right. be well some and, still do right right well definitely some <laughs> still do so there was um, you know that was but it, so I understand he became uh, something of an icon mm-hmm. a gay icon among yeah yeah I mean he is the I, community. Um, what was there something about the Castro in San Francisco? Are going to do a, a memorial to him or a statue? Or yeah, yeah, like I think I think they that's already up. Uh, oh, it's already there. I think so. Okay, um, but yeah, so he became you know yes that that icon where um, you know that he you know basically when when we're all more in mourning and in shock. Um, you know, here's an individual who, you know, took control. Right. Um, not just him. I mean, there were other people aboard on the plane that, you know, fought into the, you know, fought to get into the cockpit. I, I just listened to uh, those recordings. Um, oh, did he really? Yeah. Um, those were pretty, you know, a lot of noise. It's really kind of hard to right. to understand everything that was going on. But, uh, you know, they basically forced the plane down um and and the hijackers that was you know their intent at that point um you know so i think the guys wanted to save the plane obviously but it was heading to the um pentagon i think this one was not i think this was heading to the white house actually Mm. or the the state capital or the 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 capital at that point and so the erasure of of that hurts as him as a gay man not not uh erasing him from kind of the the heroic role um but at a time when the country is coming together and you know we're celebrating uh 
are the heroes and we're bringing all of that you know we're all one we're all one country um to kind of separate that out was hurtful and i remember that being the case it was like well why are you why are you erasing why is this being you know right well whitewashed new, right and when new york times reported um uh they said the importance of identifying gay heroes became especially important um, and gay uh, talked about, uh, I think it was Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson uh, just two days Ooh, after yes. the attack, yeah, his, his, um, <laughs> that God was angry and had allowed terrorists mm -hmm. to secede because yeah, clearly. the United States and became a national, because of abortion, of course, homo homosexuality and um, secular schools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which is, you know, we laugh, but it's still, they kind of still believe that. Anybody who is not us. Right. And yeah. so, you know, here here's a, a, a man that had, you know, that, you know, at this point, it was kind of, you know, buzzing around who he was and what it was about. And, of course, then the right-wing Christian fundamentalist Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson get on board. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they're not going to, you know, acknowledge this individual for what he did. Of course, they acknowledge the other people, which, you know, yes, they should be acknowledged as well. But um, because of this man's sexuality, you know, he was going to be demonized at that point. Um, you know, so this was this was a big segue into yeah. – really um looking at what uh you know this meant for the lgbtq community um you know i mean we're going to go talk a lot a lot more about that i think justin you have some more um to discuss on kind of the, the round table there okay well um yeah there's a lot of information about some of the gay men and women who were uh, partners of September 11th victims, and they are poised to collect sub substantial awards from the federal fund that was set up to compensate bereaved families. Uh, this is according to Kenneth R. Feinberg, who is special master of the fund, and uh, lawyers who are familiar with the process. So those who present claims to the September 11th Victim Compensation Fund in cooperation with the next of kin of the deceased are all but assured of awards, according to Mr. Feinberg. But even situations in which the victim's family is not supportive will be reviewed case by case, Mr. Feinberg said, with uh, the state law as the guiding principle. When uh, the story was first written in 2002, New York State did not recognize same-sex unions. But an executive order by then-Governor Charles E. Pataki in the wake of the terror attacks extending spousal benefits to gay partners under the State Crime Victims Board was intended to give Mr. Feinberg room to exercise discretion. Mr. Feinberg said in an interview, quote, If the next of kin is supportive and there's no dispute, it's a non-issue. If the personal representative, say a parent, comes to me and says, cut a check for the same-sex partner, there will be no problem. And what do I care? Um, in less clear-cut situations, Mr. Feinberg added, he will take into account that New York's leaders in a variety of post-9-11 actions have, quote-unquote, tried to improve the likelihood that I can exercise my discretion and I will do my best. He added that cases involving heterosexual domestic partners will be reviewed in the same way. The loudest public outcry against assisting gay partners of September 11th, 11 victims has come from conservative organizations like the Traditional Values Coalition in Anaheim, California. Its founder, the Reverend Louis 
P. Sheldon, has said that charitable organizations, quote, should be giving priority to those widows who are home with their babies, unquote, and that government agencies should not be swayed by advocates capitalizing on a national tragedy to promote their homosexual agenda. But New York's elected leaders have supported the extension of aid. Mr. Pataki's executive order to the Crime Victims Board entitles domestic partners to awards up to $600 a week to a total of $30,000, a benefit otherwise limited to heterosexual husbands or wives. The lesbian partner of a civilian army employee who died at the Pentagon, by contrast, was denied benefits by the comparable agency in Virginia. The governor also opened the state's September 11th charitable fund to gay partners. Along with other state and city elected leaders, Mr. Pataki petitioned the Bush administration to define relationships for the purpose of the federal fund by the totality of circumstance, including, quote, emotional and financial commitment and exclusivity and longevity, unquote, not by the existence of marriage licenses. In addition, in a recent 9-11 Relief Act passed unanimously, unanimously, excuse me, by the state legislature, the preamble states that it is the lawmaker's intent that domestic partners be recognized by Mr. Feinberg. The emergency funds made available after September 11th came too late for Mike Lyons of Jersey City, who saw his partner of 18 years, John Cahoney, killed by falling debris as the two fled the collapsing towers. Mr. Lyons, unemployed, and suffering from multiple sclerosis, was slow to apply for financial assistance and was running out of money when he committed suicide. Many of the 22 surviving gay partners have not been accepted by the next of kin, seriously complicating their cases. William Randolph, for one, a part-time organist at the Cathedral Church of St. John the Divine, lived in Harlem for 26 years with his partner, Wesley Mercer, who was vice president of corporate security at Morgan Stanley. Mr. Mercer helped save all but two of the company's 3,300 employees. Mr. Mercer, Mr. Mercer never divorced his wife, Mr. Randolph said, so she will receive his army pension, Social Security, and workers' compensation. The Mercers had two children, one deceased and the other grown and financially independent. Mr. Randolph received a gift of $100,000 from Morgan Stanley, which was aware of the men's long-term relationship, and he also received help from the Crime Victims Board and the Red Cross. Others, like David O'Leary of Yonkers, had the full backing of his partner's family and thus fit Mr. Feinberg's definition of an easy claim. Mr. O'Leary has tentatively begun the process by gathering documents as personal as birthday cards and family photographs and as bureaucratic as joint bank statements and utility bills. Mr. O'Leary and Michael Lepore had lived together for 18 years and combined their assets in every way. Mr. Lepore's mother, Jean Carlucci, has already signed over her $50,000 lump sum payment from workers' compensation. The youngest of Mr. Lepore's three brothers, Anthony, the executor of the estate, has given Mr. O'Leary's mementos the survivors have greatly prized. The commemorative urn and flag from the city and choice seats at ground zero ceremonies, which he would otherwise have been denied. Mr. O'Leary said, that's just how they have been. They look at me as Michael's spouse and they think everything should go to me. Wow. So, you know, that's how it should be. 
Yeah. Yes. Um, but that's not how it was in, in a lot of cases where people were, um, you know, at the beginning where it was more or less up to the families, you know, ne next of kin. Um, mm -hmm. And so you obviously weren't allowed to be married. You know, that was not uh, a law. <laughs> it wasn't recognized by anyone. Um, and these, you know, individuals were together some as long as 18, 24 years. Um, and it was there on the mercy of a family, you mm -hmm. know, a mother, mm -hmm. a father, brother, sisters, a distant cousin even had more say than, than you know, and, and depending on, um, I guess, who was listening at that time. And, you know, it's it was frustrating. But again, this was one of those um, points in history where it, it brought everything forward that, mm -hmm. you know, it, it uh, you know, with with all the horrible things that had happened with 9-11, um, you know, there were lessons. And with um, with a lot of evil and bad, you know, I, I hate to say it like this, but some good evolved in the sense that it got onto the national stage and international stage. And people started getting their heads wrapped around the idea that um, that two individuals who had because it just didn't make sense. How can you argue that, you know, here are two people that loved each other, that lived as husband and husband or wife and wife, and mm -hmm. um, that they were going to be not denied. And, 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 and uh, many of the people that had died, perished in this, were some of the breadwinners of that family. Mm -hmm. So these right. people were destitute at, at times. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, the it was just, it, 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 it hit at the heartstrings where people were, you know, beginning, I guess, to listen and, and, and be decent, right. you know, um, and, and it happened in and New York. And fair. And fair, not in every case. Right. Um, but yes, so it was starting out, so it gave it this, this platform, which was, uh, you know, um, sad and, you know, it's, it's, it, that it had happened. But in, in, you know, many situations, that's kind of what had happened with the LGBT community and a lot of other, <laughs> you know, communities where you know you're you met with tragedy and and this it happens it humanizes it it becomes a connecting point right and when you can see i mean before i think the there's a lot of mis misconception about um same-sex partnerships and uh that it's all about the sex right and it's not seen that there's there's love there there is family there and um and this showed, you know, everybody suffering that, you know, these these people, these, you know, call them partners or, you know, lovers or whatever it was at the time before we, we could say, you know, my my spouse, um, that, oh, these are, this is their family. These are their spouses. Mm -hmm. and um, And to look at people's, uh, similarities and understand it because you're suffering how would you feel this is the same thing going on right and it, it just humanized it I think right now it's we need to kind of take a little breath and uh, take a break for our community minutes and our uh, music break and then we'll be back to kind of continue our discussion Someone said, youth is wasted on the young 
filled every last drop of time that summer in the sun. But Daddy had a Timex watch, cigarette in his hand, and a mouthful of scotch. Spinning me around like a tilt world on his own. I just need paint when it's spring snow. Kids, come on in before your supper gets cold. Collection plates and Daddy's bell fold, and that's how it goes. Live long enough, people get old. I sat up out beside him in the cabaret truck, going 30 miles an hour down a side road, talking about the fish we caught. Back in time, I would in a second. To his beat up blue jeans and a t shirt with the sleeves cut off. Houses need paint, winters bring snow, kids growing up and sneaking out the window, hitting every small town dirt road, and that's how it goes. You live long enough, people get old. listen to Lori McKenna um we just listened to this song people get old off of her album the tree we're gonna take a look at the community calendar this week September 15th is the Lotus Festival the art behind the music up close with the Lotus stage backdrops exhibit this is at the Ivy Tech John Waldron Arts Center which is also where WFHB is located on 122 South Walnut Street. Um, this is a free event. Come check out the the backdrops. They're really cool. Um, and we also have coming up here 
the 2018 WFHB Block Rocker at 4th Street and College Avenue, which is also here. Um, that's September 15th at 4 p.m. until 11 p.m. Uh, we are celebrating our 25th anniversary on the air, and we thought there'd be no better way to celebrate than with a block party. Um, that's a free event. There will be food trucks, live music, um, beer from local vendors. Um, right? That about does it for the community calendar. We're going to throw it back over to Blooming Out. Welcome back. And um, I want to remind our listeners that we are doing the fun drive here. Uh, now is your time to support independent nonprofit radio, bringing you stories and opinions that matter to most in your community. Please give us a call at 812-323-1200. I want to remind you that 28 news and public affairs programs not heard anywhere else depend on your funding to continue. 19 programs were produced in-house by community members, including Blooming Out, are also essential to keeping the community together and, and uh, organized and on the same page and just bringing us as one in the, the community. You can donate online also at wfhb.org and click the big red donate button, <laughs> the candy-like donate button. <laughs> WFHB's mission is to promote diverse programming and views just like those you've heard, you hear on Blooming Out. We've had guests from all walks of life, Judy Epp from Spencer Pride, Father Charlie from Trinity Episcopal Church in downtown Bloomington, and many, many, many others. We're, ha we're at the halfway goal for this fund drive, which ends this Sunday. We need your help to meet our Corporation for Public Broadcasting grant. That CPB grant supplies us with about 25% of our funding. The stipulation to that funding is that we have to raise a certain amount in our community, and that's why we need you to call now. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Melanie. And uh, listeners, please give us a call at 812-323-1200 and support Blooming Out and the 18 other independently produced programs on your community radio. Uh, we love having your support for our community listeners, and we do this out of a spirit of love because we think it's very important. And it makes us feel really good when you give us money and support us, and it will also make you feel good. I promise. Win-win. So, <laughs> so once again, please call 812-323-1200. Or you can donate online at WFHB.org right now. And uh, support our diverse programming on WFHB. Um, thank you so much. Wow. And for those of you that have donated, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank if you, you want to feel good again, just I know there's put a, an, an extra ten dollars. An extra shiny red button is always there. Yeah. The, 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 yeah and and the, you know, there's a, <laughs> yeah. a men's group I know that sits out in elderberry estates every uh, Thursdays and listens to our, our program. Do they? Yeah. Yay. I think the head uh, man Hi. is uh, Tony. And Abe's out there, I think, and maybe even Kelly and um, your husband, Kelly. Yeah, yeah, he's part of the men's Aww. group, and they're out there listening. And then I kind of get, you know, they critique me when I come back, and <laughs> and they say, just yes. but I told things, them right? that they have to like they're call not critical, in. Though. Okay, so they, no, of course we need critical. we Tony's need five hundred dollars to make us look like we're popular. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, you yeah. Love us. Tony said he would write <laughs> the check for five hundred dollars. So thank you, Tony. Tony, and everybody else in the men's group really needs to like, you know. 
follow Tony's lead. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Thank you, Tony, for the $500, you know, donation. And we really appreciate that, right? Ha ha, wink, wink. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I might have my tires slit as I'm driving. <laughs> right. <laughs> or a can hit me in the head. <laughs> I, didn't I might not be here next week. <laughs> Wes didn't tell me that I could just, like, uh, mention my friends' names and force them to do <laughs> yeah. it this way. Well, there's Shame money them. involved. There's money involved. Shame yeah. them. Right. Well, Jeez. Yeah. No. Put them on the spot. Put them on the spot. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, this is we're doing so much cool stuff, and we got a lot of things planned out for uh, Blooming Out, um, some new programming that we want to do. Again, it's all uh, volunteer operated and run, and, um, you know, without, you know, the listeners contributing to, to, to this, this is your program as well. Um, this is a way for you to be really involved in, 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 in making some changes and, and you know, bringing things to light. And we would love to also hear from our listeners on things that they might think are important. Yes. And if they want to hear certain programs, um, definitely uh, call in. And we know. have we have the, the fund matching campaign right now. Yes. So if you call in and you donate your $500, uh, uh, right. Wes will match that. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it is Great awesome. Deal. Or, you know, $5 or, or $10 or whatever you can afford. Right. And I'm, you know, yeah. not going to be writing a $500 check, but <laughs> I, I can contribute too. Right. Yes. And everybody should. So it shouldn't have to be. I'm just, mm. you know, joking, but not. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's remind everybody too that we are the only independent LGBTQ plus radio show in indiana right 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 and yeah let's keep us on so, the air yeah strong what is it we're out we're proud we're something something i don't know we're on the radio we're on the radio <laughs> for now for now <laughs> until frankie can... goes home and he's attacked by the mob uh, you um, can't get home your tires I, will be slashed I can't get that. <laughs> uh right now we have uh frankie uh getting back into the 9-11 remembrance um talking about his own stories connected to the World Trade Center and uh, 9-11 and bring us back into uh, today's topic. Um, yeah, I was, um, Wes actually uh, had uh, sent, sent me a text. He's our, um, one of our producers here. And I posted something both on Facebook and Instagram. It was nine, you know, nine eleven, and um, I put some photos up. Um, and this was twenty five years ago. Yeah. Um, and it was Kelly and I's uh, really our first trip together. We've been together maybe six months at this point. It was young love, and obviously twenty five years later, we're yeah. still there. Still and young. Yeah, brought That's him back amazing. to New York. Congratulations. To, thank you to meet the family. Mm -hmm. um, and he never had been to New York at this point, and he actually fell in love with New York in my family. My family uh, fell in love with Kelly as well. And so we, you know, I take him out. I want to show him all the sights, and, you know, we walk over the Brooklyn Bridge because that's where we're staying in Brooklyn Heights at right. my family's place there. And you're originally from New York. Well, my family's you're originally. We are, yes, I will yeah. say that, but, uh, you know, we, we really lived kind of more in the South, but that's where all my my, Just my, yes. my kin folks are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so Kel, Kel, so anyway, so Wes, you know, read this this um, uh, Facebook post that I put up, um, and it was a photo of the Brooklyn Bridge um, and looking up at the Twin Towers at that point. Mm. So me and Kelly were walking across, and we were going to the Trade Center, World Trade Center. We of course go upstairs and we're looking down and we're standing at the top and um never in a million years do we ever expect that we'll be able to be married one day and we're kind of right. jokingly um you know just kind of talking and um 
we look down. I love the Brooklyn Bridge. That's kind of like who doesn't love the Brooklyn Bridge? <laughs> and um, you know, I point down to the, the Brooklyn Bridge, and you know, we're sitting at the top of the World Trade Center, and I said, um, you know, it's Tower Two, and um, I said, if we ever, if it's ever legal. Um, let's get married on the Brooklyn Bridge. And he, you know, so we kind of joked about that and said, you know, because New York will probably be, you know, definitely before Indiana ever (laughs) happens at at that point. Um, And sadly, eight years later, the the towers came down, you know, Mm -hmm. 9-11 occurred. um, But um, we, it was four years ago, I guess, um, we ended up, getting married not necessarily we want to get married on the brooklyn bridge but we didn't get married on the brooklyn bridge because it was under construction um but there's a little park that you can see in the photo down it's called dumbo park um and it's between the manhattan bridge and the brooklyn bridge um and that's when we were looking at at that point it Mm -hmm. was like skid row nobody like hung out there it's a beautiful park now and kelly and i went you know that's uh we ended up having our wedding down there Mm -hmm. um and of course it was it was bittersweet and you know the towers were not you know were, they weren't were, there anymore weren't part of the, yeah. the backdrop but that's where that. you proposed to kelly that's what i said tower two tower two it took some time for him to say yes <laughs> no <laughs> he didn't like, say yes that time no he well you know we, 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 you couldn't get married um but he's oh. but he did move he moved in and right. obviously okay. stayed yeah so he's still there he's still there yeah so yeah <laughs> right. so i guess kind of he did right. well, good job um, you yeah so you know it kind of ties in with the whole story of of uh 9-11 and you know again the lgbt community and you know for us how empowering you know that mm-hmm. that that and what that meant to us and and then we you know eight years later we were back in new york and um, and for the destruction part of, we were there, you know, not wow. it, it, not up on the day, but soon after. Right. And I just remember just walking through the city, and everybody was just quiet, mm-hmm. and the the brightness in their eyes were just not there, and the city was quiet, and. J- the smell. There was a stench. Say, you could smell it. Yeah, you mm-hmm. could. Were you had you? Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, and it was just everywhere you went. So it would be beautiful outside. Mm-hmm. It's, and it was like, an, you know, looking up and seeing just clear skies. And I remember when a jet would fly over the city, everybody would stop and just yeah. look up and s- literally stop. Or a siren would go by. And, you know, in New York City, you're a million sirens. Um, but people would stop and actually turn and look. Mm. It was... And also there was this graciousness that people yes. were so nice. Yeah. Things changed. Yeah. I mean, uh, overnight in some ways that were sort of nice and that people were really gentle with each other in those days following. I also, do you remember, I don't know if it was a day or days or a week or whatever, but they there were no planes flying. Yeah. Right. That was, yeah. I remember like, yeah, the skies were silent mm-hmm. and it was just this eerie, it was beautiful, mm-hmm. but it was an eerie quietness. Yeah. And the quietness remind you of why, yeah. you know? And it's like, that's when, for me, I remember, is like when the world really changed, you yeah. know? When it wasn't like, you know, you felt like in America that you were safe from everything, even though we had our, our things happen. Um, it just, it changed so much about just your own security um, of, of what that meant. And I just, you know, I remember losing that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and just, just and I was like waiting for it to come back. And I don't know, I think the nation kind of felt the same. You know, I'm sure I'm not the only one that had that feeling. And it just never really appeared in the same way. Um, but I just remember there was just, again, it, there was a lot of beauty that you could see mm-hmm. um, because you saw really people come together mm-hmm. um, and, you know, uh, volunteering and bringing water and food. And you'd hear all the stories about all the heroism that had happened within that day that, you know, people never, you know, there's thousands of people that will never be known of all what they've done. But that was the beauty of it. Right. That people put their own selves aside to help mankind, you know, under something like that. I, I wish we could kind of now today, kind of come back to that, and we can remember like this is where we went, this is where we are today. But we, but the potential of humanity. When people say, "Oh, I'm angry at humanity because you know people are so selfish or whatever," but it's there, you know, and 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 I witnessed it, and Kelly witnessed, it, and I had one of my other sons with me at that point when we were in the city, um, but it was just amazing. Um, I think what we're going to do is take another music break, um, and then we will be back with more talk.
Welcome back. You've been listening to Young and Angry Again by Lori McKenna. And welcome back to our fun drive, where we are celebrating our 25th year on the air at WFHB. And we're so thankful for your support for all of those years. And we're looking forward to this next one, too. So open your pocketbooks, call up uh, 812-323-1200, and donate or go to wfhb.org and click the red button it's right there i saw it in person yeah, you, did you click it i yeah, saw it in you did. i saw it in good <laughs> <laughs> of course i clicked it don't just look at it <laughs> click <Look> it, it. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it there we go we got a little song going click it do you guys think that we got 500 dollars yet i don't know for this hour no i don't have access to that we don't uh, know. they have us know. in this little box that <laughs> right. we can't see of a window and two individuals staring at us all the time and counting <laughs> numbers at us like a little update yeah. they're cute like little thing. people I think that we can do better than $500, right? So people, please, please, please call in today. Talk to Jean. She's waiting by the phone. The number is 812-323-1200. Or click the big red button. Don't look at it. Click it. Yeah. <laughs> call in Jean Holland to Jean Hollinger. She's our uh, volunteer. She's accepting the phone calls. All the phone calls will go to Jean. And please come say Hi. Let her know how much you want to donate, whether it's 5, 10, 15, 20, 50, 500. And, um, and also there's recurring. You can, there are all sorts of ways you can donate, uh, you know, monthly, yearly. You can, uh, you know, keep us in your end of life uh, ideas and you can bequest money to uh, WFHB. Know. It hopefully will not be for this fall fund drive. <laughs> Uh, but that is another way to to go, and uh, and we have matching donations. Again, Wes probably won't be doing the end of life uh, donations, <laughs> but any donations it's that only you do now, hour. yes. <laughs> You're right. You put everybody on the spot. We become those favorite hosts. <laughs> we won't have a, a key anymore. Uh, well, we've been talking about nine eleven, and should we talk about some of the he re- the yeah, I think this would be a heroes yeah, or people that were uh, part of that. The victims, I guess, um, amongst them was the openly gay um, Catholic chaplain, Father Michael Judge. Judge was sixty-eight when he was killed while ministering to a fallen firefighter at Ground Zero. Judge's helmet was presented to the Pope. And Judge was chosen Grand Marshal of the 2002 Chicago St. Patrick's Day Parade. Mm-hmm. There is also an initiative to elevate Michael uh, to sainthood. In June 2002, the president signed the Michael Judge Act, granting federal money to certain survivors of victims of 9-11, including same-sex partners. Mm-hmm. Among the openly gay people known dead at the World Trade Center in New York was New York Fire Department Catholic chaplain, Father Michael Judge, who we've been talking about. Um, so that Frankie, yeah, Judge, do you Judge know was, about him. Uh, I know a little bit about him. I mean, he was kind of an incredible person. Everybody loved him, and he was the, one of the first people um, killed. Um, he was giving the last rites, and you guys might remember. The he was photo. giving the last rites. He was giving the last rites to I, one of um, I, I don't remember if it was an officer or another fireman, 
and or person I should say and I guess a piece of debris was falling at that point and it hit him and there's a famous photo of of them carrying out the priest you know by the fireman he just had passed and you know if if you look back at the history but he was a a gay and I think he was kind of out within the community I mean he was out within his friends I mean he was a a, a priest but he definitely had um, you know, identified as a, a gay man, but he was loved by the fire department and, and many around him, and he did a lot for the HIV, um, you know, AIDS and HIV back in the time. Seems and he was sounds like, like a really good guy. He was, yeah, That's a tragedy. one of the, uh, again one of the fallen heroes out there. Um, and we have several more. Yes, well, you know, unfortunately, it affected people from all sorts of people. There was a co-pilot, David Charbois, was a co-pilot of American Airlines Flight 77, which crashed into the Pentagon. And he was openly gay, the Washington Blade reported. Charlebois was a member of the National Gay Pilots Association and was survived by Tom Hay, his partner of almost 13 years. And then there was Graham Berkeley, who was 37, a native of England who lived in Boston, and he boarded United Airlines Flight 175 on September 11th on his way to a conference in Los Angeles. And he died when the plane became the second hijacked airliner to crash into the World Trade Center. Um, there are several, several people here. It's, it's um, very sad. There's uh, openly gay flight attendant Jeffrey Coleman was on American Airlines Flight 11 from Boston, and that smashed into the North Tower of New York's World Trade Center. And Coleman is survived by Keith Bradkowski, his partner of 11 years. So we could go on and on. Yeah, um, it's overwhelming me a little bit uh, of, looking at all this because right. there. I mean, it's it's pages and pages of it. Well, I think you know it was important for us. You know, I wanted to pick up this and talk about 9-11 um, and you know I think a lot of times uh, we don't think about kind of the LGBT community and, and, and what impact it was and so hopefully this was some uh, you know gave some light to, to a lot of folks that uh, people didn't acknowledge back then um, but we're out of time and before we go let's take a few moments uh, and, and, and thank all you guys and everybody here and all the listeners um, and volunteers for, for making this possible. Um, I'm Melanie Davis. Blooming Out is produced by Frankie Presloff. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. Blooming Out's community liaison is Alex Ashkin. Our trusted intern is Jasper Tony. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Justin Robertson. And I'm Frankie Presslaff. And remember, if everything was straight, roller coasters would be one long, boring ride. Good night from your Blooming Out family. You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHB.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at WFHB.org. That is bloomingout at wfhb.org. And thank you for listening.